Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. I've been looking forward to this all week. Brother Tommy messaged me last Saturday and couldn't wait. Uh, Usually when I come, I'm going to move some of this. Uh, talks about the pulpit, and I still believe it's sacred. Uh, $30 for that altar. Yep. Whew, yep. Worth your life. Yeah. Worth your life. Yep. And somebody paid $30 for it. Uh-huh. And the brother said, wasn't that the same thing? 30 pieces of silver to give his life for me. Uh, we're going to be in John verse uh, John chapter eleven, uh, verses thirty-eight through forty-five, and then we're going to bounce around. I, I've got example after example, and I ain't going. I'm going to try my best not to keep you all night. But um, I usually come and I preach to the church, and I preach about how we need to do better and how we need to strive for God and. And I always wondered if I was ever going to get to come to this good church and, and just uplift the name Amen. of Jesus. Uh, well, I feel like that's what we're going to get to do tonight. If you would, if you're able to stand, I ask you to stand as we just, like I said, we're just going to read 38 through 45. <clears throat> I shortened this up trying to save us a little bit of time, but it says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this, ni- by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not, un- said I not unto thee, that if thou believe- would believest, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee, that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he came, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. That's all we're going to read. And and I'm I'm coming to you uh, with the plain. And I usually don't do this. I usually don't put titles. And uh, quite frankly, I like the titles we usually get to use and see on there. But the title that I've had in my head since last Saturday was, No Man Spoke Like This Man Speaks. And uh, I've got example after example of of times that Jesus spoke in the Bible. And uh, what I like here, though, is is when Lazarus was laying dead, 
No, I mean, we understand what that means, right? He said, by now he stinketh. And back in that time, they left him laying alone for three days so that they could prove to everybody, this man is dead. So we understand, us being normal human beings, we understand that the dead cannot hear us speak, right? The dead are dead, and it says in the Bible that absent from this body is present with the Lord. I can go up to my grandma and grandpa's too into their grave, and I can scream and holler all I want, but they ain't going to hear me. But this man was in a grave, and the man called Jesus come down. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus said, it said immediately, Lazarus rose and came from the grave, bound still in his grave clothes. And and I've got example after example, but I I don't even think I'm going to use those. There there was a lady that had an issue of blood one day that was wandering through a crowd, and she heard that Jesus was coming, the healer was coming, and she pressed through the crowd and touched his garment. But the moment she touched him, he said, who touched me? Who touched me? Because I can feel that this has left my body. Who touched me? And he turned to her and he said, daughter, be thy made whole. And in that moment, the blood dried up and she was made whole. Then you go on down and there was a Jairus was there and he said, but Jesus, I've got a son who's dying. I've got a son that's dying. He needs your help. Don't be held back. I need you to go to my son. Then about that time, his servants come and said, wait, don't waste his time. Don't waste his time. The boy's dead. He's already dead. And Jesus said, hey, fear not. Your son liveth. And in that moment, he gets back to his house and he says, but what time did he breathe again? What time did he breathe again? I believe they looked at their clock and they said, well, it was about 1247, Lord. And he said, That's what he told me not to fear anymore that my son was alive. The voice of Jesus Christ speaks into existence the things that we're looking for. No man can speak like that man. There's time and time again that you go through the Bible. Uh, Oh, Saul was on the road to Damascus one day and he's running. He was wicked. He says he is the sin chief of all sinners. I say that beats all of us. I I often think, I look at my life and I say, well, boy, I I was pretty bad. I was doing this. I was doing that. I wasn't going around killing God's people. Saul was. See, Saul had letters in his pocket heading to Damascus going to kill some more Christians. And all of a sudden it said, there was a light that shined as bright as the noonday brighter than the noonday sun upon him and blinded him. And then all of a sudden he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, Lord, who art thou? In other words, he said, I acknowledge you as God, but are you who you say you are? And he said, I am Jesus who thou persecutest. And it says that Paul, that Saul fell on his face and begged for forgiveness in a roundabout way, you could say that, because the next thing you know, he's going down there and he's meeting Ananias. Ananias is healing his eyes and Saul's going to preach the word. Not everybody can do that. See, we can stand up here. We can preach our guts out. And if we don't want to hear it, it ain't going to matter. We talked about it before church. You go to some churches and you preach and you're up here huffing and puffing and there's somebody halfway back in the church sleeping. And you look and you go, what is it going to take? I'll tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take the voice of Jesus. It's going to take the voice of Jesus to open up the eyes of some of His people and get us in a place that we will respond to the gospel. That that, God, that we've been praying, and on Monday night I told them, I am praying 
for a group of men that the fire of God would fall down on them. That the minute we walk through the church door, people start saying, oh no, oh no. That old boy's going to preach the word to me. That old boy's going to be instant in season and out. He's going to set my feet on fire. He's going to set my field of fire. That's what I'm praying for, that the church of God would be revived. We're in a place to where we're, we're tinkling cymbals and we're all this other stuff. And we ain't hearing the word of God. But I, and I look at this and I say, what do we need? We need the voice of Jesus to come down. We need, we need God to speak to His people again that we would respond to the gospel. You think of all these stories time and time again. You look and, um, boy, I've got all kinds of them. Um, um, in First Mark 14 through 18, there was a group of fishermen. There's two brothers here fishing. There's another couple brothers with their dad fishing. And they, they're out there fishing and doing whatever they want. But then Jesus comes by. Jesus walks by and they're out there with their nets, nets casted out in the sea. And he says, he says, hey, why don't you drop your nets and come follow me? I'm going to make you fishers of men. Yeah. It doesn't say that they rolled their nets up. As a matter of fact, it says that they abandoned their nets. It doesn't say that by word in the Bible, but if you look up the definition, it's meaning they tossed them to the side and said, I don't need them anymore. Immediately, they responded to the voice of Christ. We as a church need to respond to the voice of Christ. The Bible says, I will not always strive with man. My, my, my spirit will not be there. My spirit will not draw always. While he is near, let's respond to the gospel. Let's respond to the, the voice of Jesus Christ. Um, there's, there's many examples of, of demon possessed that even the demons respond to the yeah. voice of Jesus Christ. That He has a voice that no man can duplicate. That no man can do. And, and I get to my favorite story. My favorite story happened on August the 31st, 2014. And I hope I told you enough that you know what I'm getting to. But I was sitting in a church here one morning about where Tish is at about one more seat in. And all of a sudden a voice come down to me and said, Sammy, you are lost and dying and going to hell. And you need a Savior. In that moment, I responded to that voice. I didn't have to look for my mama. I didn't have to look for my daddy. I didn't have to look behind me and say, who's speaking to me? Where's this coming from? I knew the voice because it was the voice of God. Where is that voice today in the church house? Where is that voice that we can say, I hear it, I respond. I know I have to do it. There is no confusion. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. When that voice comes, we know that voice. You say, well, uh, there's been times I've got confused. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. He does not say they'll follow them down the road for a minute and then they'll realize they're going the wrong way. He doesn't say that they'll tuck their tail and run with them because he's telling them all the good things. He says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Where are we as a church today that we're running helter-skelter, chasing everything in this world, chasing fleshly goods, chasing everything else, but yet here's Christ standing in His house saying, Come unto Me and I will give you rest. They can't hear the voice because they're plugged their ears and they're off wondering wherever they may be. I'm hoping that most people are out sick 
or they're at a revival supporting the preachers at a revival. I can get behind that 100%. But I've got news for you. I don't know everybody's story. And I still know some are sitting at the house. Why is that? Why are they sitting at home? Because they plug their ears to the voice of God and they said, I ain't going to listen. There's going to be a time. Lazarus was dead. He said, I can't hear anymore. I'm dead. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He said with a loud voice. I've heard preachers time and time again say, boy, ain't you glad he called his name Lazarus? Because if he didn't, the whole resurrection would have took place without us. He'd have said, come forth and every grave would have busted open. We'd have never got to experience it. But why is that? Jesus knew what he was doing. He said, Lazarus, you come out of that grave. rest of you stay. But Lazarus had to respond. We as a church have to respond. Because the sister sung it in that last verse of the song. There is coming a day when the King of Kings, the Jesus that died on a cross, steps out on the clouds and it says what? That He will descend with a shout. And we will respond in the moment and a twinkling of an eye, I will be present with the Savior. There is something that happens when Jesus speaks. I I can't get over the one time that I heard His voice for the first time. I mean, can you? how do you explain that to somebody? How do you explain to somebody that I went to church... I practiced religion. I done. I, I, I think of Sister Natalie every time I think of this, and her her testimony of you know when I got older and had kids, I was going to go to church because that's what church people done. That's what adults done. We took our kids to church. Yeah, but then all of a sudden there was a voice one day that said, "Hey, this ain't going to cut it. You've got to be born again." What happens? You respond. And you try to explain that to people and they say, you're, you're lost, you've lost your mind, you're off your rocker. I might be. And that's great. But there was no mistaking that voice. I, I started thinking of that voice and, and it goes deeper than that. When your creator speaks your name, there's no denying The person that created Every cell inside of your body, everything, every imperfection, everything that's perfect on the inside that makes everything work when your Creator says your name. Ain't it funny how you don't have to look around and say, who was that? Ain't it funny how you don't have to see if somebody's playing tricks on you? We we had a play one time at church and, and we turned the lights out. And we started whispering things into people's ear. And what it was, was it was, we were playing it as the devil was sneaking around the church saying, you're okay. You don't have anything to worry about. Oh, you, you signed a card when you were little. We done all this game of that, that idea of the devil just sneaking around and whispering. And then you're sitting in church and as the devil's whispering, you're going, man, who was that? Man, I, I don't know that voice. I don't like that voice. That, that voice don't fit right. But when the Creator speaks, yeah. mm-hmm. when He, it, it takes one word, right? I mean, Amen. when He said, yeah. Sammy, yeah. And, and I don't even know that He said Sammy, but boy, it felt like it. But when He said, Sammy, 
I knew that there was nobody else in that church by the name of Sammy, Amen. and my Creator was talking to me. Amen. Because why? There's power in that yeah, voice. Yeah. And when we Amen. when we come together as a church, and God starts moving, and the voice of God starts moving in His people and saying, "Do this, do that, do respond to yeah. my word. Don't be ashamed of that. Yeah. Don't don't ever get to a place that we say, ah, I don't really need that today. That's that's going to hold us over too late." Yeah, like I would hope that somebody get up after me and say, I got to preach. Yeah. And then half of us would be going, wait a minute. You're going to make me late. I've got to be in bed by 8 o'clock. <laughs> exactly. Get out of our comfort zone yeah. and let God do things. Yeah. Let God speak enough that we respond to the, yeah. the preaching word of Jesus yeah. Christ. That's what the church needs today. Amen. That's what we're looking for. All the way through the Bible, when you read these examples, Legion was, was tormented by many demons. Many demons. Even the demons, as soon as he walked up, they said, we know you. You're Jesus. You didn't come here to get rid of us too early, did you? You're Jesus. So then next thing you know, Jesus speaks and the demons flee, and then there's Legion who is out of his mind and can't be tamed and can't be controlled, and all the, and naked running through tombs, and all of a sudden they come, and where's Legion? Clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because even the demons have to respond when Jesus says, Enough. When Jesus looks it up, now if, if the demons have to respond, Let's get into that. If the demons have to respond when Jesus says, enough's enough, yeah. when's his people going to respond yeah. when he says, enough? Yeah. Are we going to push it to the limit as far as we can go and hope that it's okay, that he's still going to be smiling at us when we get there? I, I, want, I am scared to death. There, there's a generation of people that take the judgment like it's a joke. But we do realize that they're after every man is appointed wants to die. Yeah. After this, the judgment. Yeah. And yeah. you will stand before a righteous God. Uh, and he will judge us on all that we have done. Yeah. The Bible says Amen. even every idle word. Yeah, that's right. And we come to church when we want to. We, we, we testify about Jesus when we want to. Uh, we, we got a lost person at, at work, but... I'm afraid if I talk to him, he's not going to like me anymore. So I, I'm going to let that go. I'm just going to let him die and fall off into the pits of hell with my blood on, with his blood on my hands. How long are we going to do that with Christ saying, I'm asking you, respond. I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to work. I'm asking you to get more involved in church. I'm asking you to do more for me. I'm asking you to step out on your faith and be stronger for me. I'm asking you to make a commitment to me and his people today. We say, I, I can't be anybody's judge, but we got a lot of people that say they're Christians that don't respond to the word of God. That don't respond when Christ speaks. And that's a scary situation to be in when I just read to you about demons that respond to Jesus Christ. When even the most vile have to respond when Christ speaks. Even the biggest sinner in Saul had to respond when Christ spoke. And his own children today. Christ will speak on Sunday morning and they'll stay at home on Sunday night. Yeah. They'll stay at home on Wednesday. 
Lord forbid we have a revival, then you're going to expect me as a Christian to give my all to Jesus for one week. And Jesus is saying just that. He's saying, I'm speaking, I need you. There's churches across this land that are having revival in the hopes that the church will be revived. I'm, I'm all about revival meetings and I'm all about coming together and I'm all about seeing God move. But I believe in the bigger picture of that revival. I believe that when 6, 7, 15, 21, 37, whatever days get done, that there is a reviving of the church. I want to see God's people respond so that when we go back to our church, what happens? We take that revival and they see, that's what everything, see that's where I'm getting at. Everybody around them seen them. When the fishermen left their boat, the second group of fishermen, they left their boat and their dad standing in it. Going, what are these guys doing? That man just asked them to come and they're throwing away everything they know to follow him. And they left old dad standing here in the boat to reel these nets up and to do all this work myself. And they just left me. When he come by Matthew, and Matthew was a tax collector and had it made. Yeah. Had every, he was the richest Jew at, at that time. And, and Jesus walked by the window and said, Hey, why don't you just follow me? You know what Matthew did? Yeah. I think I'm going with that guy. They, and, and if anybody's ever watched The Chosen, I, I love that episode where the guy looks at him and goes, What are you doing? You... Look at what you have. What are you doing? He goes, I'm just just going with him. That's the first time they ever met him. But he heard his voice and said, there's something different. I'm going with that guy. If everybody in here has met him, why do we still have a problem responding? If everybody in here has heard that voice, and that voice has spoke salvation into your soul, why are we still having a problem responding? Yeah. Why are we still in a place that, I, I mean, the Bible says that you were once on milk. You were once babes in yeah. Christ. But now it's time for some meat. Yeah. Why do we all still have the bottle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at what point do we go, hey, as my life, I look at me and I say, hey, I'm about nine and a half years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was nine and a half years old in the flesh, I was eating meat. I had the bottle, then I got the mashed potatoes, and I got the gravy, and then I moved to the meat. And it just so happens I've never went back to the bottle. Yeah. Because the meat filled me. Amen. The meat tasted better than the mixed up bottle. Yeah. Like when you're a baby, that's all you know, right? You you taste that bottle and you're like, well, this is God's gift to humans right here. This is delicious. And then they slip some mashed potatoes in there. Yeah. And you're like, wait, game changer. We as Christians need to be looking for the game changer. We need to be saying, God, I've had, if you're still on milk, God, I've had enough of the milk. I, I have tasted it. I know what it tastes like, and I thank you for it, and it's got me to here, but it's time that I taste some meat. Amen. It's time that I grow. It's time that I, what does that get to? That gets to me responding when he speaks. Yeah. When we're the babies, uh, I just I sit here and look at Zach and Abby, and I'm like, they, they can tell that baby all they want, and do you know it's never going to change? 
It's sitting there right now, and they could say, I need you to be quiet. And if it's crying, it's crying. Yeah. It doesn't understand. You give it a bottle, it quits. Christ says, you were once on the milk. Here, yeah. you're struggling. Let me give you some milk. But then when that baby gets older, mm-hmm. and they say, enough's enough. You know they expect yeah. that baby to stop. Yep. My children, when we go home, and they're acting up, and we say, enough's enough. Either you respond or punishment's yeah. coming. Yep. And when punishment comes, most people with common sense go, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But we as a Christian body today, we've seen the punishment. Uh-huh. We've seen, we, we have testimony after testimony in here. My, my testimony is, I, I was in church as a kid, and then, and then as I got older, I said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I ain't saying I've saved this kid, but I was in church. I knew what church was. I knew what all happened at church. I've seen things that still today my eyes can't believe that I've seen. But I walked away and said, I've got better things to do. Yeah. And it took Christ coming to speak to me and say, now is your chance. And I responded. I I think of Brother Greg's testimony. I was saved as a kid, but then I got out and I went wild. Mm -hmm. And I was driving home on Alcohol Highway, and he tells us all the time, I take you to the light pole. When he said, son, it is time. Enough is enough. You know what he had to do? He had to respond. But we've gotten to a place as a church that the voice of God is pouring out. And the body is sitting going, ah, we'll wait till next week. It's not that big of a deal. Why is that? Because we've never grown. We, we get saved. We, we as, as a Baptist denomination, I will, I will tell you this, as a Baptist denomination as a whole, we are terrible at discipleship. We, we get people, the people come and get saved, young people come and get saved, never been to church a day in their life. We pat them on the back, tell them how much we love them, and say, best of luck. Yeah, best of luck to you. Hope, hope you make it. And then we're looking down the road three years from now going, what happened to them? There was nobody ever there to say, here, you're going to need this bottle. You're going to need this. This is going to strengthen you. This is going to get you ready. And then grow to the meat. And then once they're on the meat, then you can back off and go, now you're ready. Now you can handle it. But but we so often just say, here, best of luck. And then when they're not here, we've got to a place where we don't even we don't even shine the light of Christ and reach out and say, Hey, are you okay? Do you need somebody? Do you need some do you need some help? Do you need to talk? Do you need to do anything? Why cast them out when they're dependent upon the bottle? And then we end up like we end up in Greg's place where He's driving down the road, and God says, well, I'll speak, and I'll fix it. So often we see people get saved. We truly see the change. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not talking about a, a, a confession of salvation. I'm talking about you see a difference made in somebody. Yeah. You see somebody go from darkness to light. Yeah. And you go, there's a difference yeah. there. People that you can look at and say, there has been a change in their life. I'm not talking about somebody coming up here, never shedding a tear, being drugged to an altar, all that stuff saying, oh, I'm ready to get saved. It's my time. Oh, well, I was not ready to get saved more than I got saved, but it happened to be my time. So I, I fell into it somehow. Thank you, the Lord. Thank the Lord that he let me fall into it. If it had been my choice, I'd have said, nope, not today. Lord, I've got better plans after church. But because of that, I got to get saved. But we see that change in somebody's life. By all means, pull them to you. 
pull them to you and say, this ain't easy. There's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some challenges. You better drink this milk while you can because you're going to need strength because the battle's coming quick. And we got to get you to the meat. But instead, we, we as a church, sit in church Sunday after Sunday, unmovable when Christ speaks. That's a place that I don't want to be in. I am hung up on the fire of God. I, I, have been, I have been praying about the fire of God. I, I want the fire of God. I long. Let, let me say it that way. I have got to a place where I long for the fire of God. Amen. I, I want to preach in the fire of God. I want to sit under preachers that are in the fire of God. Yeah. I told them Monday night, there's a, there's a group of men of God sitting there. And I said, I want us all to have that. Yeah. Because why? If we'll get that way, the church will have no choice but respond. And you go, well, my preacher starts preaching in the fire of God. I'm getting out of here. Well, you'll respond. And that's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for the people of God to respond. Either get in the fight or get out. Make your choice. God's speaking. We have to decide what we're going to do. And I, I I am dead set determined that this is a church that will fight. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm pretty determined that I know most of the people here, and, and y'all are pretty committed. Yeah. And when God speaks, you're saying, I'm ready. Amen. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll set that to the side. Yeah. I'll do this. I'll, uh, this ain't as important as you are. Uh, $30. Yep. $30. $180. The power that has come Amen. out from behind this. When you mount this pulpit and you grab a hold of it, and no one... The hands that have held onto that pulpit Amen. and preached in the power of God. Yep. 180 bucks is a flash in the pan. Yeah. That it could just go for generation after generation mm-hmm. after generation. Like, like Justin said, how many people have been saved Amen. on that altar? And then when they got saved and Christ spoke again, how many have come mm-hmm. up here and laid tear yeah. after yeah. tear after tear? And somebody said, I'll give $30 for that offer. I'll give you $30 for that altar right there. And we look at that. And and I'm telling you, the altar I got saved on, I'd have have gave my life for it, looking back at it. It it ain't just a piece of furniture. It's it's the entryway to heaven. It's... If, if we believe that Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father, sitting in heaven, making intercession for us, when we come here and we pray to him, it's like, a, it's like the doorway to heaven. Yeah. That if we have a need, it's here. And somebody paid 30 bucks for it. I mean, think of how... If, if, anybody, if anybody in here would say, I'd give $30 for that so the church could have it. Everybody would, right? Yeah, yeah man. But somebody, and it's like Justin said, at one time that was a little bit more money than what it is now. And if we keep going the direction we're going, that's going to be that much money again. But at one time, that might have been a lot of money. And at one time, these communities around us, they they, they didn't have good jobs back then. And you think of when this church was first built and they were coming over the mountain, they were nothing here. They was coming over here looking for work. So $30 to them, somebody was saying... I hear you, Lord. I'll put that money down. Yeah. 
I, that goes back to the message that Tommy preaches about it, the cost. Yeah. And somebody was willing to say, God, I will respond when you speak, and I will put in my time, I'll put in my materials, I'll put in whatever it takes. Yeah. And the church today, we reap the benefits from that. And when Christ says, hey, I need you to do something, that baby depends on it. Those babies depend on it. I need you to do something. And you know what we do? Lord, I'm awful busy at work this time of year. Awful busy. I got a lot going on in my family, Lord. Can't, Can't really fit you in right now. I thank God that somebody generations ago Yep. Made a sacrifice when God said to move. Amen. Yep. And they answered the call to give me somewhere to worship. Amen. To give me somewhere that I could call a home. A church home. A church family. An altar to pray on. A pulpit for a preacher to get behind and preach the word in spirit and in truth. Because somebody else paid the price and responded to the voice of God. I'll turn it over to Rob.